I remember when I got started in reenacting, looking at what were described as original World War II German rucksacks, there were all kinds of models. There were myriad different models, and there was no information about the different models. And so, of course, I just was, I was buying this stuff because I was collecting it, and I had all of these rucksacks. And later, I came to the realization that a lot of these rucksacks were civilian ones, and a lot of them were actually post-war made out of leftover wartime parts and materials. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reenactors Corner podcast. This is Chris here again with Ben. How are you doing today, Ben? Here's Benny. Ben is back, and we are talking today about rucksacks. We're going to focus mostly on uh, the rucksack used by the German armed forces during World War II, and then at the end, we're going to talk about Soviet rucksacks of the Second World War as well a little bit. So another fun uh, nerd episode as we take a deep dive on a piece of equipment. All right, let's rock and roll. Okay, so I guess the first thing at the outset is that the standard backpack of the German Army infantry soldier during almost all of World War II was the Tornister, which is a horsehair-covered pack that existed in like three different models for the German military in the 20th century. This could be its own episode, and we're just not going to get into that at all today. Why we're, haven't we done a Tone History episode? That's I don't another know. question. I feel like <laughs> I, we did an episode, I think I did an episode with Lassa once that was like talking about your favorite piece of gear, and I talked a lot about the Tornister maybe long ago. All right, all so, right, fair uh, enough. Uh, we could do an, an actual Tornister deep dive like this in the future, but um, for today, we're just going to stick to the... The rucksack, which is basically a cloth bag made out of fabric that maybe it has shoulder straps, maybe it doesn't, depending on the model. You wear it on your back and you fill it up with stuff that you need. And the exact purpose of this thing depends in part on who you are, what your job is, and what type of rucksack exactly that you got. So how do you want to start this? I mean... Well, let's 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 look at it first, I think, chronologically. So... Um, Let's start off with the big myth here, and it's the myth of the M31 rucksack. Yeah. So um, if you look at vendor sites that sell reproduction kit items for reenacting, you can find this these listings for the M31 rucksack, the insinuation being that um, this was a item that was introduced in 1931 along with the M31 bread bag, which actually was a thing, the M31 canteen, the M31 mess kit, and so on. But the reality is, is that, um, to my knowledge, there was no rucksack in the Reichswehr. I think they did use tornister packs. And there wasn't really a um, German army standard rucksack until very late in the war if indeed that ever happened at all um there is some speculation as to if the rucksack which is not the m31 rucksack but people call it the m31 rucksack was designed to replace or was intended to replace the tornister or not um it's likely that there is documentation that exists that lays this all out very clearly yeah but that documentation exists in an archive and is not accessible to me so what what i'm going to be describing here basically is my understanding of how this stuff works based on my 20 plus years of collecting this stuff and studying it with the understanding that there probably are more specific answers that are out there that are just not at my disposal and that i can't really talk about now, just on a personal note, for the longest time, you know, I I got a rucksack when I was like in like year one of reenacting a quote unquote M31 rucksack, and um, most other reenactors I know also had the same rucksack at that time, which is about ten years ago. There were no, uh, I think IMA had started to reproduce the Tornister, but the jury was still out if they were any good. Um, and also, too, they just weren't that common. Um, most reenactors I knew then had this quote-unquote M31 rucksack. 
Um, and then a few people used like original tornisters, which maybe had been like reworked or something or had like new leather on them. So I feel like a lot of people in the Sabi are familiar with this piece of kit. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, for people out there who have some familiarity with um, World War II German kit, the rucksack that is often mistakenly described as the M31 rucksack is a very large fabric pack that has one large main compartment and a, f a flap that closes it at the top. And then on the front, it has two pouches, one on each side that are kind of smaller, separate compartments. And then on the back, it has fittings to attach to the Y straps. And um, so look, they did Y straps for regular infantry troops weren't even really a thing in 1931. So that right there is the big clue that this thing wasn't a 1931 pattern of gear. But beyond that, um, all the existing originals are dated like 1943 and later, as far as I'm aware. And so, or, or, or if, if they're even dated, like most of them are just marked with RB numbers. So this thing came out in my opinion, from, from my experience in 1943 or 1944. And it was a late war pack. It has some D rings on the front that allow you to mount a smaller backpack right on top of it. So it's part of a system with two different packs. Yeah, either like an A-frame or perhaps the late war small rucksack, right? Well, people have pointed out that if you load up that rucksack and attach an A-frame to it, it doesn't really fit. Oh. I mean, it, you can get it on there, but it's kind of like crimping the front of it. Whereas oh. if you do that with the small late war rucksack, which we know appeared in like April of 1944 about, that that, that works perfectly size-wise. Oh. And so that is a clue, isn't it, for when this late war rucksack was really introduced. That and is very interesting. I never tried that. The tantalizing thing for me is that I actually do not know exactly the intended purpose for this large rucksack. Now, originals are very common. They must have been made in huge numbers. It's possible that they were made for general issue to everybody. But it's also possible that like all of the other rucksacks that had been used in the German army up until that time, they may have been intended for some special purpose. So, uh... Basically, we're going to talk today about some of these special purpose rucksacks, specifically um, the Gebirgsjäger rucksack, which yep. is a large rucksack for mountain troops. There was also a small Gebirgsjäger rucksack, which appears to have been the same as the so-called artillery rucksack, which was issued to artillery troops and to uh, bicycle mounted units and some other unit types as well. And then there was also a tropical rucksack that was for German army units operating in tropical areas. And then, of course, this late war to rucksack system. In addition, we'll mention the, the rucksack used by the other branches of the German military as well. Yeah, I think that that's worth mentioning. So, Ben, I know you have some experience specifically with the Gebirgsjäger rucksack, having used it on some of your adventures. Yes, so I, uh, some time back, uh, at the front, uh, offered them for sale, and they offered them at a discounted rate because they... They said, they described them in the listing as having had some shoddy materials, like they said the leather was no good. Um, the leather actually was less the problem for me with this thing. The canvas actually was kind of kind of shoddy and kept giving out on me. But I used a Gebirgsjäger rucksack uh, when I traveled around Europe in 2018, and uh, it's, I mean, it's a, it was a fantastic pack. You can fit so much in it. Um... And the cool thing about the one that I had is, uh, well, because it was kind of shitty, uh, I kept having to repair it on the fly. So it got all this cool wear and all these cool repairs. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to get. Repros are kind of hard to come by, but I definitely recommend it as a pack to have. The, um, the special features of this pack include the fact that it is very, very large. Instead of the late war pack that has two compartments two small compartments on the front. It has one large compartment. Yep. And then it also has integral shoulder straps. And yep. the suspension system on this bag is set up basically so that this thing can be used to carry a tremendous amount of weight, which is different from uh, other rucksack variants. 
Uh, additionally, this rucksack has extra lashing points, like on the on the top flap and on the sides, I think, as well. So in addition to holding tons of stuff inside and having the convenience of having their own shoulder straps, um, you can lash stuff to the outside. So in this pack is, is made to carry it. So you can carry a tremendous amount of stuff with this Gebergsjäger pack, which makes sense if you think about um, the demands and requirements of troops uh, operating in these Alpine areas where the German Gebergsjäger troops were, were trained and expected to fight. Now, they're identifiable. Um, they have four leather loops on the top of the flap, very similar to, if you're familiar with one, uh, an 1895 Tornister from World War One. so you can put a mesh in there or something else. Um, also, too, whereas the standard rucksack that we just described, which is not from 1931, um, only has one closure strap that closes the the, the top uh the kabergsjäger rucksack has three um and i that there actually is a there's like a pocket inside the top flap which is just interesting and cool and also too like i believe actually these things were intended to have a a, a waist belt for extra uh so basically like a you could a piece of leather uh, runs through two loops on the pack, and then it goes around your waist for extra, I don't know, suspension or whatever. So, yeah. Definitely a uh, a pack that is made for rigorous use. Yeah. And um, I think there's some, there's like some, something with the straps too, right? Like you could, I think you could even strap stuff to the straps, to the shoulder straps. I don't really remember on mine, but it would not surprise me, honestly. Um. So that that probably, believe it or not, that's likely, I think, the earliest Wehrmacht pack model because um, they must have been using these rucksacks even before the war. Um, and of course, Gebirgsjäger troops in general did not have Y-straps. And so um, this pack was made throughout the entire duration of the war with the integral shoulder straps. Yeah, yeah. Um, another, so then in 1939... Um, Y-straps were, were introduced for use by the German army. Y-straps being leather sort of suspenders that hold up your equipment belt. And so some of the equipment was changed around. The M34 Tornister was, um, they introduced the M34 Tornister. So the 1934 model had shoulder straps. In 1939, when they came out with Y-straps, they introduced a model of Tornister, the M39, that was intended to be worn with the Y-straps. Um, around that same time, of course, they're introducing other types of equipment for other troops as well. For whatever reason, um, it was decided, I think at that time or around that time, not to equip artillery troops with a Tornister or with Y-straps. Do we so, know why? Is there any idea? Do you, any speculation I, on your part? Why? I, I don't really want to guess. Um, and I don't actually know the answer, although I imagine it, it, it might be able to be found in the relevant documentation. Um, but artillery troops had their own dedicated rucksack that was a small pack that had some lashing points on the side so you could lash a blanket or a Zalpan or greatcoat to the outside. It was made entirely out of fabric and it had built-in leather shoulder straps. And uh, this same model of pack, this small pack, was also made for issue to um, bicycle troops. And I think there was some other very specific unit types as well that got this um, small backpack with the straps instead of getting a tornister. Nippelwerfer or like motorcyclist or driver I, or something. It was it was like it's not uh, based on your job. It's some some specific unit types. I, okay, uh, interesting. Yep. 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 The, the information is is accessible on some collector forums for if people want to really find out about it. Um, so this is a model of pack that I have used, not for reenacting, but just for hiking around. I bought an inexpensive reproduction, and it's cool. It's practical. It's very simple, very straightforward, you know, kind of a standard sort of a field sack or whatever. It's got enough uh, 
capacity for hauling your lunch and a light jacket and a hat or a raincoat or anything else that you think you might need for for a day in the woods and the the shoulder straps are they're very basic but they're comfortable enough and uh, certainly if you're going to be reenacting a unit a member of a unit that would have gotten that type of pack I think it's would be a great thing to have for for your impression yeah I agree you know, we should talk uh, briefly before we even go on with the different rucksack types about kind of what the rucksack was really used for. Generally speaking, until we get up certainly to the uh, to the late war period for most troops, the pack was to carry stuff that you did not need. And it traveled with you, with your unit, but you a lot of times didn't actually have it on your back. And this is true for a rucksack. It's true for a tornister as well. Um, in most cases, German soldiers, if you look at what they were to wear during combat, a backpack is like not part of that. And it makes sense too. You don't want to be, you don't want to be laden down with that stuff. It'll slow you down. You know, and having said that, you can find some photographs and accounts of soldiers in combat with packs, whether they got off a train from a transport and managed to get uh, right into combat before they got to their destination or for whatever other reason. In the millions of people that served in the German armed forces in World War II, there were people who had packs with them in the field, in rear area situations, and in frontline situations as well. But, I mean, I feel like you don't really want to be carrying a pack around at a reenactment, I will say that, you know? Like, if you can help it, unless you're trying to portray some specific thing. Well, what I do, typically, when I bring any kind of pack to a reenactment, is it basically stays in the camp. And that's something that I think can be supported historically by the documentation. And I find it to be very practical because I use it in camp sort of to organize and store the stuff that I don't need to be carrying around with me all the time. And I use it as a pillow and uh, maybe I have an extra shirt in there or something in case it rains. Um, these are all things that I think are are historically plausible and like a good use to this kit item. I find it to be useful. Yeah, typically when I'm using my rucksack, it's actually in a non-reenactment context. You know, like I'm going for a hike or something. When I'm actually going to a reenactment, my rucksack or my tornister basically becomes my like kit organizer. You know, my personal effects go in it. You know, toothbrush, toothpaste, um, toiletries, etc., um, sweater, gloves, whatever stuff I don't really want to be carrying around that I also don't really want to lose, and so I want to keep it in a centralized place where I know where it is. I like to be able to march into an event with everything that I've brought to the event, like, on my back. Yeah, There are definitely good. times when I can drive right up to where we're going to be sleeping and just dump uh, plastic tubs of gear onto the ground there and then go park my car and then go back and I'm ready to go. But more often... The place where I'm setting up is some distance away from the parking lot. And so to be able to just walk in there with all my gear is very helpful. And if I'm going to be at the site for a weekend or a long weekend, I I need, need some supplies to sustain myself for that time. So having a pack becomes important to me in these settings. It's nice to be able to strap blankets or other forms of bedding to it. Um, you know, I, feel, I, I find um, actually that on a tornister, at least, you can roll like two blankets up and around the edge of it and then you can fit like another two blankets inside you can you can actually transport four blankets uh or more if you're creative to your sleeping zone um using using a rucksack or tornister it's probably true that in most situations most soldiers were lucky to have even a single blanket sure but it's sure. definitely true that in other situations soldiers had multiple blankets and there were probably unit blankets that could be um transported to a place where they were needed and and handed out and then handed back in or or used by whatever troops were were rotating into that position to replace troops rotating out or something like that yeah and but I'm, in in reenactment you're not replacing some other troops in your position you are always establishing the position every single time yeah and so um if you want to have more than one blanket which in some situations might basically be a necessity for most people to even be able to do the event at all. Um, you know, having some kind of pack to transport that bedding becomes incredibly important. Indeed so. 
So continuing on, I guess, a little bit with our kind of chronological look at rucksacks, getting into the war years, um, I believe that it was in 1941 when all of the tropical uniforms and equipment were uh, first uh, made and issued for the German army. And of course, there's a tremendous amount of tropical specific gear that was made for troops who were in units that were being sent to the Southern Front and to Africa, um, special cotton uniforms, uh, the pith helmet, webbing uh, gear, web belts, and and wise straps and so on. And there was also a specific dedicated tropical rucksack, which was made to be worn together with the tropical wise straps. It doesn't have integral shoulder straps. It has hooks that mate with the wise straps. And it has similarities and differences to the Gebirgsjäger pack. In addition to not having the shoulder straps, it only has, uh, as Ben mentioned, uh, you know, the Gebirgsjäger pack has three straps, closure straps on the main flap. The tropical pack only has one. The tropical flap has, the tropical rucksack has two compartments on the outside, and the entire thing is made out of webbing. There is no leather used. So it's a canvas or like a linen, hemp, whatever bag. And then the closure straps are also made out of a woven a webbing material. Yeah, which is cool. Um, it's it, it is interesting too. There's usually some variation in the material, and obviously sun fading causes even more variation. Some of these things are very green. Some of these things are like more of like an olive or a tan. I think they're very neat. And another unique feature of the tropical rucksack is it um, it has like a large D ring on the top of it. You know what I'm talking about, Chris? Yes, I do. And, and so you could that you can kind of pick it up by that large D ring. It's really useful. Yeah, you yeah. can hang it on a hook. Um, I, I guess if being transported by train, there there might have been some kind of a hook that that soldiers could hang their their packs on during the transport time. I feel I've seen a photograph of soldiers in North Africa on like a Panzer three or four in desert camouflage, and hanging off the side of the tank. Are the trop are these tropical rucksacks, you know, via this large D ring? So, I I guess I always figured that that was the intention. Like these are the, the these these things are are to be issued to Panzer Grenadiers or similar type soldiers in the tropics, and it's to hang off the side of a vehicle in transit. You know, it's interesting when I started reenacting a long time ago. At that time, there were no reproduction rucksacks at all. So if you were going to use a rucksack, um, you had to get an original. In addition, information generally was scarce, and there was a lot of confusion about different rucksack types and exactly what they were for and who used them. And I remember that there were a lot of people who said that you should get a tropical rucksack because the tropical webbing holds up better and is less fragile uh, decades after it's made than the leather on the standard rucksack. But of course, um, for soldiers, if you're portraying a soldier who's not in a tropical unit, um, you know, it's probably actually not appropriate to have a, a tropical rucksack, to be honest. Sure. I mean, I'm not actually sure if I've seen any images or documentation of them in use in any kind of number uh, on the continent. Um, I think these things are cool. I think these things are very neat. But uh, also, too... I myself accidentally destroyed an original uh, tropical canteen strap at one point in my, uh, you know, young idiot days. And, uh, in fact, cotton webbing does break down after 80 years. So, sure, even though it may seem stronger yeah. than, than leather. It, yeah. You know, the leather is fragile. The webbing also can be fragile. Yeah. Organic substance will break down, especially ex if exposed to, like, moisture and stuff. So there are some other photos that are um, kind of even before uh, 1941, I think. Um, it can be hard to date a photo exactly by looking at it if it's not specifically attributed, but there are some definitely early war photos that do show 
fabric rucksacks. Um, and there's been some discussion on these, and I think the consensus is, is that they likely are Czech or from some other army that was maybe partially amalgamated into the Wehrmacht during the uh, huge buildup in 1938, 1939, 1940. Possibly Austrian, didn't we say? Maybe? Yeah, like a lot of Czech or Austrian gear that was used by the Wehrmacht. I think rucksacks were among them. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't use something like that for reenactment. First of all, I don't know if you could even... I, actually, I think you can get a replica of like a Czech... KUK replica, maybe? Yeah, I think there is, because there are people in the Czech Republic who do reenactment and they portray the 1930s Czechoslovakian army... Um, Probably not just in the Czech Republic, right? Probably elsewhere in in former Czechoslovakia as well. But so there are there is a demand for that stuff, and I think that you can get a replica of a 1930s uh, Czechoslovakian army rucksack, and I think it's it's likely, very likely, that German army soldiers did make some use of those. But from a reenactment perspective, I don't think I would use that unless it was like there, some very specific unit documentation indicated that that was what you kind of needed to have yeah the photos are negligible and they're all from like the early 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 to mid-war period so like i don't know 1940 1940 to like 1942 and uh it seems like specific units got these things but unless you're portraying one of those unit and you and your friends all want to buy them they just maybe stick with a tornister or, uh, or other type of rucksack sure um so I guess after the tropical rucksack, after the German army operations in Africa ceased um, in 1943 or 1944, that's when you see the appearance of this um, late war rucksack that is erroneously called the M31 that we've been talking about yeah. throughout the episode. And the reality is nobody really knows who used these things exactly. There are definitely photos from 1945 showing people surrendering wearing these things. I'm sure they were issued in some numbers. Um, I think they can, they can certainly be appropriate for late war reenactment in some settings, especially if... Um, photos showing surrendering soldiers from that time and place or, or, or photos showing soldiers in whatever capacity may show them with um, with those large rucksacks. They're visible in late war newsreels. You know, they um, they may have been intended to replace the Tornister pack um, starting, you know, very close to the end of the war, 1944. Um, but of course, you see 44 and even 45 dated Tornisters, so... Sure. What does that tell you? Yeah, so there's there's a little bit of confusion about this. I do think that those packs are very cool. They do also have the advantage of being very widely reproduced, so you can easily get a relatively inexpensive reproduction of the um, late war large rucksack. And and as we mentioned, they, they mate with this um, smaller pack, which is also available as a reproduction, which is the so-called uh, M44 Sturmrucksack, which is a small pack about the same size as the artillery pack that we were talking about earlier. The difference is, is that it attaches to Y straps instead of having its own integral shoulder straps. And it also has two permanently attached equipment straps. Usually these are on the front and you could use it to strap a Zulpan or a blanket underneath the flap. Sometimes these equipment straps are mounted on the side for like a blanket roll setup, which is kind of a weird variation. And I'm not sure exactly why these two variations exist. Um, but most of the originals have the straps mounted on the front. And that that's also a model of pack that I bought as a reproduction, even though it came out very late in the war and, um, is not really appropriate to most of the reenacting that I do. I do use it for day hikes and stuff. I rigged up some expedient shoulder straps for it. And the one that I got is a, uh, a really sturdy and well-built reproduction from at the front. I think it's like an old run when they used to make this stuff in Kentucky. Um, that's cool, I, dude. Yeah, like I think later they, they, they've had different runs. As with basically any vendor, they have different products at different times. But I've definitely gotten good service out of my um, M44 Sturm rucksack with no damage to it except some chews on some of the leather bits from a very harrowing night that I spent years ago sleeping on a floor in Ottawa, Canada. <laughs> Incredible. Wow. 
so those, that I think is the wrap up for the for German army rucksacks. Of course, there were other branches of the German military in World War II. Um, the Luftwaffe never had the Tornister pack. They instead had their own dedicated rucksack that came out in the 1930s and was made until at least 1944, if not until the end of the war. And it, I would say that it's kind of similar in some ways to the Gebirgsjäger rucksack in that it has, it is, yeah, it has um, like lashing points on the flap that you yep. could attach a mesket to. It has integral shoulder straps. It has padding in the back to help cushion your back against carrying a lot of gear. It is smaller, I believe, than the Gebirgsjäger rucksack. Still holds a lot of stuff, though. Yeah, definitely holds a lot of stuff and. I can imagine that those packs must have been uh, pretty sought after, like after World War II for refugees and civilian hikers. They're just like super practical packs. If I'm not mistaken, um, in the 1930s when Germany was sending aid to nationalist Spain, they made a green variant for the Condor Legion, no? Have you heard this? No, I haven't heard about it. Um, I, I've seen pre-war examples in with like aluminum hardware that are in green, which makes sense because the Condor Legion was like a tan color. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I know that there were tropical versions of that Luftwaffe pack that used webbing instead of leather. Those are relatively scarce. Um, there, is, there are at least a couple of manufacturers now that make reproductions of the uh, pre-war and wartime Luftwaffe rucksack. Ben and I both have the reproduction from Luftwaffe Supplies, and I, I use my pack a lot. Ben, I think I've seen you use yours a bunch as well. I just took a trip, and I, I brought mine as a as my like travel pack. It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, I think the next time I go on a trip... Um, I might bring that pack instead of the the other types of backpack that I usually bring. Definitely a cool item. Um, and of course, if you're doing a Luftwaffe impression, that's the kind of pack that you want to have. Um, you know, there's some confusion about Luftwaffe rucksacks because both the late war large army rucksack and the smaller M44 Sturm rucksack that mount to it can be found in blue canvas. And a lot of people, both collectors and reenactors, have long regarded these late war blue backpacks as being uh, Luftwaffe packs. But there's actually a lot of reasons to suspect that these aren't Luftwaffe packs at all. For example, uh, they require Y straps, which were never really standard issue. You know, they specifically the uh, the standard Y straps with the D rings. That was, that's like not really a, a Luftwaffe thing. Um, and you can find many different uh, late war army items that use blue canvas because they were trying to get away from having different colors of everything for every branch. They were trying to unify the colors that were used by the different Wehrmacht branches. And they actually kind of settled on a blue color. So late in the war, the belt buckles for all the branches were painted blue. Buttons used for uniforms for all the branches were painted blue. Yeah, the Einheitsblau, right? Einheitsblau, which literally is like, it means, you know, the standard unit blue, you know, for, for all the units. And, um, Additionally, they were they were using blue canvas for stuff, and I believe they were using blue canvas for army rucksacks. And I think that those late war uh, blue rucksacks are in fact army ones. I do have a late war 1944 dated Luftwaffe standard rucksack, and I haven't seen any evidence or documentation to suggest that they ever moved away from that. For makes that sense. Branch. Makes sense. To cycle back also slightly, um, they were making the, the the 34 cap until they started making the 42 cap. And then they didn't make 34 caps after they started making 42 caps, you know? That's right. And then they transitioned fully over the 43 cap and so They stopped on, so making on. the 42 cap. And so, but you see Tornisters produced into 1945 concurrently with the rucksacks, which gives some credence to Chris's point that perhaps they were produced for some special purpose. It, it, may, be, it may be that they did intend to replace the Tornister with the rucksack at some time, but in any case, that was like never fully implemented. Interesting. Certainly. Um, and, and if that's the case, then it was, it was like very late in World War II, I think. Um, like I say, there, we may eventually get some documentation that specifically says that at such and such a date in 1944, the, um, 
the large late war rucksack, which was never made with integral shoulder straps, um, was intended to replace the M39 Tornister, that the M44 Sturm rucksack, the small rucksack, um, was uh, intended to replace the A-frame. But for but a lot of troops were still not being issued with Y straps in 1944, and it's possible that they were c- going to keep giving those people the M34 Tornister, you know, into for some unknown amount of time into the future. Sure, totally. You know, it's interesting to look like think about some of the specifics of these different um, models and some of what what we can try to glean from original documentation about it. There is original documentation that talks about a small Gebirgsjäger rucksack. The small Gebirgsjäger rucksack appears to have been identical to the artillery rucksack. Um, So is, are these packs exactly the same? They just had two different names or is maybe there's some small difference that has yet to really be discovered or identified at least by me um between what would make it a small gebergsjäger rucksack and what would make it an artillery rucksack interesting point um the kriegsmarine also had a rucksack that is often misidentified i've seen this described as a gebergsjäger rucksack a lot it's similar to the gebergsjäger rucksack it's smaller though right it is in fact smaller it's got integral shoulder it that the the the, the the lid has, or the, the flap has a pretty unique shape, right? It's like kind of squared off. Yes, it's squared off and it has two closure straps. Yep. yep. And that is made in a tropical form as well with uh, webbing instead of leather. That's cool. There's a, there's a photograph. It's actually kind of a sad photograph of a soldier returning home in like 1946 or 47. And he's... Uh, He's missing one of his legs, and uh, he's on crutches, and he's got his, like, uh, prosthetic leg in one of these rucksacks. And uh, I think people who are listening might may, might know this photo if they've seen it, but, uh, yeah. We haven't really touched on the Waffen-SS. They didn't have any specific special SS rucksack. Um, to my knowledge, they just used the same exact rucksacks that were... Uh, standard issue in the German army. To your knowledge, were there any like political organizations that used rucksacks in the 30s or did they mostly use monasteries? There were civilian rucksacks in the 1930s, in the 1920s, during World War II. And this has created a tremendous amount of confusion because I remember when I got started in reenacting, looking at what were described as original World War II German rucksacks. There were all kinds of models. There were myriad different models, and there was no information about the different models. And so, of course, I just was I was buying this stuff because I was collecting it, and I had all of these rucksacks. And later I came to the realization that um, a lot of these rucksacks were civilian ones, and a lot of them were actually post-war made out of leftover wartime parts and materials. So yeah. they certainly looked to be wartime to me because they were made with pieces of Y-straps or hardware that I recognized from World War II field gear. But of course, these were made after the war for use by the tremendous amount of refugees, displaced people, people who were hikers, people who needed backpacks, you know. The same goes for rucksacks that are made out of Zeltbahn material. Those were not a wartime thing. Um, those were post-war made out of cut-up Zelts. There is a very small amount of anecdotal collector-type legends about finding um, rucksacks made with camouflage material in such a context that it must have been used by a soldier in World War II. But, um, you know, I, I kind of take that stuff... Um, with a little bit of a grain of salt, and and generally speaking, yeah, most of the most most for for me, basically, I I agree with what Ben said that these are all post-war things, and if there were wartime things, it must have been in in very small quantities in a very limited way. Sure, I mean, Zelts were army property; they were designed for use as tents and ponchos. And you could get in trouble for cutting those up. Yeah, like for they had rucksacks theoretically. Yeah. Like if you needed a rucksack. They would like requisition a rucksack yeah. instead of cutting up another equipment item for this purpose. Yeah, generally speaking. So a solid green color, a tan color. I feel like uh, it's a pack. You know, it doesn't really need to be camouflaged. I feel like they made these things out of zelts after the war because that was material that was no longer needed for military use. Sure, it's what was available. Yep. Um, so let's talk a little bit, Ben, about um, Soviet packs. Um, you know more about this than I do, generally speaking. So there's, I mean, 
the two the two models that I want to focus on are the models that came out in 1939 and 1941. In the 30s, the Soviets were using um, the Ranyets pack, which came out in 1936, um, which is basically a sort of knockoff of a World War One Model 1895 German Tornister. It's got a wooden frame. It's got uh, this flap that's made out of uh, like a Kurza material, which is imitation leather, which is waterproof. And it's got four attachment points for a mess tin. They're cool packs, but um, they were kind of clunky. Uh, I've I used one in an event, and I just I did find it to be kind of clunky, especially for the field. So in 1939, they came up with a new pack. And it was like a small rucksack, and that would go on your back, that would carry some personal effects, you know, you could lash your Chanel, your overcoat to it, and then with this pack, they also introduced a bread bag, and it was a sort of a modular system where the bread bag would go on your belt, um, sort of on the small of your back, and the pack, the rucksack, would ride over it, um, and I think the idea was that you could keep your essentials, like your mess tin, your, like, rations for a day in the bread bag, and your other stuff that you didn't really need in the rucksack, and you could take the rucksack off and, like, ditch it very quickly if need be. But the rucksack is, uh, so they had, they had two different models. The one that came out in 1939, it had, like, a lot of leather on it, and then the 41 model was a little simplified, and basically same design, but it just had, like, more webbing components. And, uh, they, I think, went away from this style of pack pretty quickly into World War II. You really don't see a lot many photographs of them. You really only see photographs of them in use in, like, 1941. Maybe a few from, like, uh, the conflict with this with uh with the japanese in 1939 and the winter war but it was a pretty short-lived idea and then they just went over to the mishok which is just basically a sack and it was simple it was cheap it was easy to produce and uh they kind of stuck with that for the remainder of the war they went away from a lot of the complicated field gear that you saw in use in the 30s but um yeah i hope that Summary of it makes sense, Chris. I regard that small pack as possibly uh, the most absurd field gear item that I've seen coming out of a World War II combatant nation. It's very funny. So I ordered one, and I'd only seen pictures of them online. And the pictures online all look like a, a Rux. Like, like, I assumed it was going to be bigger, basically, you know? Like, the internal size of that thing looks like it would fit like a loaf of bread. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very small. It's comically small. And I mean, you can also too. The other funny thing about it is the straps are like really heavy duty. Like you would imagine, this is for carrying like great loads, right? But uh, no, it's 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 tiny. Um, yeah, like you could use this thing to haul off like a gold statue if you were Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. <laughs> exactly, dude. It's it's that size. It's that size, <laughs> and like the straps are like for hauling something very heavy. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And there's there's straps on the outside too, right? So you can you can strap your blanket and stuff to there. Maybe your that's, blanket. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I, the, well, if, your gray coat, right? Yeah. So maybe that's kind of part of it with that is that they made the pack small, but you're going to be strapping this bulky gray coat and your shelter quarter or something to the outside of it. I think that was half. the idea. I also I also imagine they would or I actually think it was doctrine that if you're marching you can carry your helmet on it. But um I want to talk about the Mishok which you mentioned. Uh Sure. So sure. this thing is basically a rectangular shapeless sack that has a single long strap that comes off of one of the uh, bottom corners and extends kind of a great distance around in a big horseshoe shape and then affixes to the other bottom corner. And the top of this rectangular sack has a drawstring. And the idea is you fill this thing up with whatever you need to carry. You then uh, cinch the drawstring and then using a specific technique, you loop that big horseshoe shaped strap that comes off of the bottom of the pack around the uh 
cinched neck of the pack, thereby forming two shoulder straps. It's like brutally simple and... Um, I think it's actually a really cool, really functional pack. It's brilliant. I mean, the whole, the the making of the straps, like, threw me for a long time until a friend of mine showed me how to do it. It always, like, bamboozled me, but, um, but... Uh, yeah, once you find out, it's, like, shockingly It's simple. like riding a bicycle, you know, but it's, like, there's a weird learning curve to it, I found. Like, I, I, I always was, like, looking up, like, a YouTube video, and I was like, how do you do this? But um, you know what's cool about the Mishuk is unlike most of the other packs that we've talked about tonight, you do see those in combat photographs and video. Yeah. I would say quite a lot. I would actually argue that a lot of times in the late war period, you uh, you you don't see Soviet soldiers wearing like any field gear at all, and the supposition is that they were just carrying everything in their Mishuk pack, including sometimes their canteen. There's a lot of. Um, Memoirs that I've found from German soldiers that talk about going through uh, Soviet soldiers, Mishaks, and what they found in there. I've found like lists of items found in partisan camps or that were airdropped to partisans that include the Mishak pack. It definitely was widely used. I would love to learn more about kind of the origin of this pack, the sort of like cultural aspect, because I know this model of pack was like used by civilians probably for a long time. I mean, I would I would not be surprised if this but if this thing dated back to the medieval ages, you know. It could the, be from the Iron Age or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um like I believe if I'm not mistaken the Mishak was first adopted by the Tsarist army in like the 1890s, but don't quote me on that please. I, I think something like that is true and yeah, I've I've also heard that this is associated with like certain a certain region or ethnic group or whatever and I I don't really know too much about that. Sure. So not going to go on at length about that, but uh basically this is a a backpack style that has a lot of history and it has a tremendous um practical use this extremely simple thing in like a field setting and in fact i uh i've seen pictures of german troops using them as well so i have as well they, too, yeah. they found them to be practical and and took them and used them and for my like hiking around stuff uh i love using that pack i've gotten a lot of use i have a uh, a reproduction from the old company ostfront which i bought actually probably almost 20 years ago that's awesome to use to as for part of my german impression when i did my one eastern front event a year and i have a post-war uh one which is an early one at some point decades after world war ii the soviet army started using uh, straps affixed to the outside of the mishak like what we discussed with the earlier small rucksack so that you could strap your shelter half or your greatcoat to the outside of the pack. Didn't they also introduce like an outside pocket? There too? is. There is a small outside pocket. Yeah. And I have um, a couple of those later Soviet packs, and um, they're just super practical. You know, I wouldn't use something like that for World War II reenacting. It's not really appropriate for it. But but it's still at the crazy like horseshoe-shaped strap, though, yeah? Like yeah, it's didn't... basically the same yeah. pack. It just yeah. has a couple of little extra bells and whistles. You you could take that pack off. I mean, you could take the little the little pouch off the front and take the sewn on straps off. And I wouldn't recommend doing that because you're you're going to have like holes. It's going to obviously not be. You're going to tell be able to see what it was. But if you did that, it would be uh, from a practical and functional standpoint yeah. exactly the same as the World War II sure. pack. Totally. Uh, and Ben, you and I both also have bought um, some reproduction packs in that style made out of like a blue fabric that maybe this is like a maybe it's a civilian type uh not really clear exactly what it is yeah, the but. blue fabric the origin of it is it's nebulous uh, i've heard uh, it called uh what is it gulag material but i think that's something of a collector's term reenactor's term that's a reenactor term for yeah. sure yeah so it was definitely a material that was used by the Soviets in World War II, but just like there was weird material that German rucksacks were made out of, there was weird material that these Soviet that some Soviet gear was made out of too. Part of the reason why I enjoy collecting rucksacks is because there is so much variation in them. Like talking I, about the World War II German ones. I here. did want to touch on that. Like one of your coolest rucksacks, it's like one of the late war large rucksacks that is called the M31 rucksack by reenactors that is not. We gotta simplify that, you know. We gotta come up with a better term. I call it the late war large rucksack. Okay, late war large rucksack, and it's made out of like a. It's made out of pre-war, early war camouflage tent material. 
Right, where the camouflage is on the inside of the pack. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I have a, uh, a the small the corresponding small pack, the so-called M44 Sturm rucksack, that is made out of I think a uh, recycled um, grain bag or something, and it has remnants of like stenciling of the size or whatever on the inside. That's wild. Don't you also have one that's made out of Italian tropical uniform fabric? I have a large one that's made out of Italian tropical uniform fabric, and I have seen them made out of um, HBT uniform fabric. Really? The, yeah. the, the reed green? Yeah. Wow. And so, uh, and most of these things are made out of like a thin, I think, uh, hemp canvas blend or a linen canvas yeah. blend. Some of them are made out of a very sturdy canvas. Um, and a lot of them are made out of like multiple shades of materials where you might have yeah. one pack that is has three or four different shades of material. And, and we're just talking about the material that the pack itself is made out of. The fittings also vary tremendously where you might have, um, you know, leather fittings that are a bunch of different types of scrap leather that are used. And some of it might also be recycled uh, internal suspenders that yeah. were used in early war tunics. You see that very, very often with rucksacks that they use recycled bits of uh, earlier manufactured internal suspender components. This is kind of why I do like late war stuff because of all the crazy recycling you see. Sure. No, it's definitely cool and uh, fun to collect. I took a Panther store, M42 Feldbluse, and this is in an era when boiling your uniforms was actually the fad. And I boiled this uniform into nothing, and it reduced itself into a, um, a woolen soup. That was a, a real nightmare. It's really different to do reenactment in France, Italy, or even England, because there are countries that suffered from the war. In Switzerland, people are quite open, and I never got any negative reaction. There was a time where I thought, oh man, we're going to really be struggling with recruits this year. But I don't know if it's because people were sitting at home twiddling their thumbs because of COVID, but our recruitment actually has astronomically risen. The Reenactors Corner, bringing history to life. For me personally, for reenacting, the Tornister is the guy for me. I find Same. the Tornister to Same. be the most aesthetically pleasing. I find it to be the most appropriate for my impressions, and I find it to be very practical and perfect. Um, I mean, you just can't beat the cowhide. It's 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 fuzzy, you know? You can pet it. <laughs> it's cool. It's a good pillow. Um, yeah, but for general outdoor stuff that I do, and maybe for some specific impression stuff that I might like to do, I do have a bunch of World War II backpacks that I that I enjoy using. I, as I mentioned, I've got the artillery style one. I've got the, the small so-called Sturm rucksack, the assault rucksack, and uh, I've got a Luftwaffe rucksack. And I recently got a blue version of the late war large rucksack that was on sale from at the front. And I think that I'll get a lot of use out of that this summer. And maybe even uh, in the winter, do some like late war winter photo type stuff with it. Maybe it, it definitely will get used. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, well, ultimately I just wish that there were enough sort of camping expeditions in the year for me to use all of my backpacks. And the more I think about it, the more uh, shame that I feel for being a sick hoarder. That is the conundrum. I thought about actually trying to buy like another type of rucksack. And then I, I, I looked and I have like, so many tornadoes and rucksacks. I can't even count them all right now. <laughs> yeah, it's really sickening to contemplate. So on that note, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have any other uh, questions about the rucksack, if there's anything in this uh, kind of rambling deep dive that left you wanting to know more, you can always reach out and we'll try to answer your question if we know the answer, which maybe we, maybe we do, maybe we don't. See you in the field. All right. See you in the field, guys. We love hearing what you think about the podcast, so why not reach out to us on Facebook or Discord? Just search for The Reenactors Corner and you'll find us there. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us via Patreon. Your generous contributions, no matter how big or small, really do keep us on the air, and you'll also get regular additional exclusive episodes as a thank you. You can find details of where to find us on Patreon in the show notes. Thanks for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next time here on The Reenactors Corner.